Okay, my name is Stacey Wilson. Today is July 16th, 2012, and I'm interviewing Perla Cavazos for the Oral History Project. Okay, so what is your full name? My name is Perla Cavazos, and that is spelled P as in Paul, E-R-L-A, and my last name is Cavazos, C-A-V-A-Z-O-S. When and where were you born? I was born in the Rio Grande Valley, uh, right on the border to Texas. My hometown is called San Benito, and um, I was born in 1975. Okay. When did you move to Austin? I moved to Austin right after college in 1997. What made you move, and in what part of Austin did you stay in? I came here because of a job. When I graduated from Stanford, I um, I just, and this was in California, I decided I wanted to live in San Antonio, so I'm, I um, packed all my belongings and drove 30 hours from the Bay Area in California to San Antonio, Texas. And um, I lived there for three months during that summer of 1997, looking for work and doing some volunteer work in the Department of Arts and Cultural Affairs over there. But then um, I got word that I had been accepted uh, into a fellowship program by the National Council of La Raza some program, fellowship program I had applied to when I was a senior in college. And so they said the placement was in Austin. And if I was interested and I had not found a job yet, so I said yes. Um, not ever dreaming I would end up in Austin. <laughs> so I moved to Austin in September of 1997 and found an apartment in North Austin, like north of 183. Um, actually, about, yeah, I-35 and 183. Um, although I spent a lot of time in East Austin, um, yeah, I quickly fell into the cultural, the Latino cultural arts community here in Austin and um, started, you know, got involved with La Pastorella and the MAC and started dancing with the Aslan Dance Company in East Austin. So I spent a lot of time in East Austin. <laughs> yeah. Okay. When did you first hear about the MAC? I first heard about the MAC that um, fall of 1997. I was here, I started working. Um, my mentor at the time, uh, Marta Cotera, she was actually the, probably the first person I met when I moved to Austin, um, because I went to Stanford with her daughter, Maria, and Maria told me, if you, uh, move back to Texas, you have to find my mom. And so, and I knew, you know, she, she was from here in Austin. So, yeah, when I moved to Austin, I, I got in contact with Maria, who put me in contact with her mom, Marta. 
and then you know right away I was involved with La Pastorela which is a um, kind of a Yuletide tradition in the Latino community and that was also being used as a vehicle to help promote the importance of a Mexican-American Cultural Center because it was actually we performed at the site of the Mex you know what is now the Mexican-American Cultural Center back then they were warehouses you know with concrete floors you know metal siding and, um, but so I mean yeah I, I mean I got involved through the through the Mac through Marta and um, she asked me you know if I wanted to come to some meetings that I should actually she told me I should go to <laughs> some of these meetings and I did and then soon after they volunteered me to be assistant treasurer um, for the Friends of the Mac bond campaign committee you know and um, started going to meetings and getting involved that was probably you know La Pastorella was in performed that December you know we started rehearsing October 1997 so it was literally one month after I got here oh, wow. yeah and then uh, the play you know we performed in December 1997 and then I feel like that next month in January um, we started working on the Friends of the Mac bond campaign I feel like it was pretty soon after pretty early in in 1998 yeah because the bond campaign was in May 1998 so we just got the ball rolling gotcha. did, what, did what we had to do to you know to advocate for passage of the bond so like with the bond campaign what did y'all do did y'all like do community awareness did y'all yeah I remember um and I was really young. I mean, I think I was probably 22 at that time. Um, you know, right out of college, you know, my first job. Yeah. And uh, living in a strange town, meeting people for the first time. Um, so I think a lot was going on that I wasn't aware of how important and significant it was. But... I didn't have anything else to do and you know my my friends my new friends and you know in Austin were involved so I was involved too um, we I know we had a lot of meetings community meetings about you know what like within the Latino arts community there was an organization back then called LACA Latino Arts Consortium um, of Austin and there were lots of meetings, I feel, with architects and maybe with city staff just about our vision of what we would like the MAC to be, you know, as artists and community members, what we wanted the MAC to be. There were meetings about, um, you know, how we could promote and do advocacy, you know, spread the word. So. At one of those meetings, there was the idea to start a Friends of the Mac PAC, Political Action Committee, I guess. And um, 
Emma Barrientos was the treasurer and somebody asked me if I wanted to be assistant treasurer, which I think was not, you know, an official anything. It was just, I was basically like the intern, gotcha. you know, that made Xerox copies and yeah. uh, deposited checks into the bank account. And um, we ended up hiring, um, the committee ended up hiring Angie Barrientos, um, which was Emma's daughter to, you know, do some of the, I guess, the fundraising and the legwork. And so, you know, we would get checks and I would, you know, make copies and deposit them in the bank. And then I would, you know, just write checks whenever they told me they needed money for copying or signs or, you know, paying for different services. But I just remember going to meetings and taking notes and then just doing what Angie or Marta told me to do. You know, we had signs. At some point there was, um, um, you know, just sign making and putting out the signs. And um, I function, I feel like, more as an administrator. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just, you know, took notes and then, you know, took the checks and deposited them into the bank account and just kind of, you know, balance the bank account. Um, but there was a lot of buzz and excitement within the Latino community and just lots of hope and vision making, you know, just kind of talking about, you know, what our big plans and dreams for this space as artists and how it was going to be, um, you know, a place where our different arts organizations could, you know, have office space and could rehearse and have performances and have a gallery for our art and have cultural events. And we had all kinds of, you know, wild, fun ideas. So what were some of your ideas in your vision that you, you wanted for them even at that time? Well, back then, I mean, I was very involved with La Pastorella. Um, that, you know, winter of 97, and then I started dancing with Aslan Dance Company. And we, you know, uh, Rowan Salinas, the director, he had, you know, his family owned uh, a theater, the Santa Cruz Center. Uh, it was like a small performance space in East Austin. It's still there. That's where we'd rehearse and have shows. It was small, though. It was really small. And we didn't have a, you know, a none of our Latino theater companies had. We didn't have, like, a Latino theater um, to perform, you know, shows like La Pastorella or the Aslan Dance Company's shows. And, you know, there was a lot going on. The, um, there was this other theater group. Teatro Humanidad Cansada um, and uh, Latino Comedy Projects. I can't remember if they were around back then, but you know, I really envisioned a performance space. Okay. 
did watching the news or reading stuff in the stories and I mean in the newspapers to the influencer thinking like what were they saying at that time about the Mac? Um, I don't really remember too much like the news or the media. I mean, I was so busy like working nine to five and then you know performing you know rehearsing with Aslan Dance Company Tuesdays Thursdays and Sundays and going to some of these community meetings that I don't really you know and then whatever volunteering or just doing what I was told I don't remember like the news or um the media too much um so I can't really say I know you know there was some media around it and um I know there's even you know photos of me in the newspaper (laughs) 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 like I said I was just a kid back then doing you know what people the you know adults told me to do and um you know having a lot of fun doing it and feeling like I was a part of something big and important at the time. That's cool. Um, let's see. In several interviews, like I read when I was researching you, you mentioned that your grandmother instilled in you that it's not about the success of the individual, it's about the success of the family, and it's about the success of the community. Is that something that made me drove you to like become involved with the MAG? Just that... That thought right there. Oh yeah, absolutely. My my grandmother was very family oriented and very you know, she was a small business owner, so it was about the family, it was about her business and it was about her employees and she did everything. You know, that was kind of her world and um, you know, she wanted to improve herself and improve her family and the people around her. She wasn't too involved in the community, per se, because we took up all her time, you know, the business and the family. But, yeah, she was a huge influence in me, very ambitious, very motivated, you know, just striving to improve our quality of life and and, um, our education. And so, yeah, I mean, she was a huge influence and probably, you know, the reason I I am how I am today, very hardworking. Um, but I would say I started to get more involved in the cultural arts in college at Stanford. I mean, I went there and I lived in a, the Casa Zapata, the Latino theme dorm. And I was involved with El Centro Chicano because you have to understand I came from the South Texas community that was like 99, 98-99% Mexican-American and then went to Stanford and all of a sudden I found myself as the minority and that was a huge culture shock Um, and so I just automatically you know bonded and, and found my little niche in El Centro Chicano and Casa Zapata and that was you know that felt like home felt safe and um, 
and um, I mean that's pretty much how I got through Stanford so um, yeah the Centro they organized Latino you know events whether it was a you know Cesar Chavez Day memorial or um, you know a trip to go see El Teatro Campesino or you know La Gran Posada at Christmas time, you know, Christmas time. Um, so it was just really a really great experience in terms of, you know, growing up, taking my culture, my Mexican-American culture for granted and then going away and, and realizing that, wow, you know, not everybody, you know, lives you know yeah. or has that background or experience and then so when I came you know when I decided to come back to Texas it was really important for me to to find that sense of community to have that feeling of community and and um, even though I didn't choose to be in Austin and I had a very different vision um, or different idea of what Austin would be. I thought it would be more, you know, I don't know, white cowboys, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't know what to expect, you know. But um, but I was really pleasantly surprised that there was a very strong Latino cultural arts community here, and, um, and I was going to work my butt off to, you know, to be a part of it and to make it great and to create our own cultural center our own space so you know I think that's why I I mean I got involved right away I, I mean it also helps that I had you know strong mentors like Marta Cotera like Emma Barrientos um, that were so involved with that movement and I looked up to them and they you know, delegated um, tasks to me. They had the confidence that I could, you know, do these things. So I did, and I've been involved ever since. That's great. <laughs> Let's see. Um, thanks for that one. Um, when the building was being proposed for the MAC, was there much opposition, or was it pretty much everyone was like, yeah, we want it? I wouldn't say there was opposition. There was just priorities, you know, maybe other priorities. Um, you know, it was like with any bond, you have community meetings. The, the community decides what they want. You know, they testify and say, you know, what they want on the bond package. And then there's usually a citizens committee appointed by city council that you know makes recommendations to city council and then city council ultimately decides and i think back then you know gus garcia was on the city council he was the you know the only latino on city council and fortunately the mac got on it had been on the bond um, package in past years and you know we only do bonds like every I think six years oh, okay. um, so it had been on the bond package before but failed so we hadn't received enough 
votes. And it had been on as a cultural center. So the strategy was that, or the thinking was that maybe voters think that cultural centers aren't, you know, maybe as important as roads and, you know, water projects or parks. So where can we put these projects so voters will understand that, you know, they're just as important as these other projects to the community, to Austin? So I think we, we put them with um, uh, parks and libraries. So, you know, so they just became part of that you know, that package, that line item. Um, so I wouldn't say there was that I noticed any outright opposition, but there's probably some citizens out there that thought it was not, you know, a good use of money. And, you know, Latinos being in the minority, you know, we really needed to convince you know, the majority of voters are mainstream that this isn't just for us, the Latino community, but it's going to benefit the entire city of Austin. Mm -hmm. And it is a good use of public um, dollars. Yeah. What do you remember about the process of trying to find a home for him? Like after, because I, I, I was um, researching and I saw that they tried to put it in the Falk Central Library, but then that was rejected. Do you know anything about that? Well, I mean, by the, when I got involved in 97, 98, I mean, it was pretty much already decided that the MAC, was I mean, that was kind of the, I think this sentiment that the MAC would be at 600 River Street. Um, I mean, this had already been I don't know, 20, 30 years in the making. Mm -hmm. So I came in at the end, right? Yeah. And um, so, I mean, there were, there was still some maybe toying with, you know, you know, or some nervousness because I think the Latino community really wanted that, that location, 600 River Street. And, you know, it was it was owned by the city public works um, they had warehouses there and that was the reason that we started La Pastorela started that you know movement because we wanted to basically claim the space mm -hmm. as already being a you know kind of a this ad hoc performance Latino performance space it wasn't, I don't think it was being used either, so we got permission to use it for rehearsals and to hold performance space. I mean, it was a warehouse, yeah. Um, they fixed city trucks there, something. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah. And it was winter and it was cold and it wasn't heated, but, um, but we basically, you know, with La Pastorella and that, that play and getting involved getting so many people involved, not just from the Latino community, but also some members of the African-American community through Pro Arts Collective, um, we kind of laid claim to that space. And we're making a statement that 
this is where we want our cultural center. And actually, the, there's a lot of significance um, in that location because from what I hear, you know, from what my mentors have told me, is that that used to be a Mexican-American neighborhood okay. right on Town Lake, but that community was moved or they built the highway, you know, basically they built the highway and the community got cut in half and, um, you know, moved, uh, basically, you know, most of it stayed on the other side of the highway and I guess what little people there were there, you know, relocated and Rainy Street, which is now a bar, a bar district, was the last Mexican-American neighborhood on this side of I-35, oh. um, and um, and that's the street that runs, you know, right in front of the MAC right now. So I think there was, you know, there you hear different stories about that land, you know, I guess some members of the community feel that, you know, was taken, you know, that, um, you know, the city um, somehow convinced uh, community member, Mexican-American community or residents that lived there that it was going to be, you know, used for a greater purpose and um, convinced them to give up their, you know, their land. And so it was kind of a reclaiming of space. Okay. I mean, have I read the history of that? No, mm -hmm. I, but I've heard it often enough to believe it's true. Yeah. And I know that um, the Mexican-American community did have, like, neighborhoods right here around Town Lake, even into parts of downtown, what, you know, what's now downtown and yeah. around... I think Republic Park, and that is documented. So I, you know, I believe what I hear. So it was, you know, putting the MAC, the Mexican American Cultural Center at 600 River Street was, you know, kind of reclaiming of yeah. our, you know, Mexican American neighborhood. I, I heard stories about that from uh, Miss Cynthia at La Pena. Mm -hmm. I was doing a project with her, and she was telling me how, like, the neighborhoods and all that stuff, so. Yeah. It's a really interesting lady. Um, it is, it is. And that was part of the reason why we did La Pastorela there. Just to kind of, you know, just to kind of say, you know, we're here. Yeah. We're using this space. We want this space. Um, we're reclaiming this space. And I think it, it worked. Yeah, <laughs> it was there. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Miss Gloria asked me to ask you about the old yard that the city owned uh, for La Pastorella. I don't know how to pronounce that so wrong. But is that the, the site where y'all, that's it? Okay. Yeah, that's the site. Um, and it was a warehouse, like I said, with a concrete floor. And it was like metal, it was, you know, just like a metal warehouse, metal roof. I don't really remember, no insulation. I don't really remember heat. 
or anything. It was cold in winter when we were performing there. Um, and yeah, we, we, I remember, uh, getting in there with a bunch of volunteers and cleaning it out, you know, sweeping, washing the floors, you know, putting out the junk, you know, just, you know, getting rid of all the junk in there and just, you know, cleaning it out. And, um, and then there was some office, I mean, the place was like abandoned, basically. I, I mean, I don't remember there being any functioning offices there, but there were some office buildings or storage buildings, you know, I think on the uh, east and west of the, the warehouse. And, and we also cleaned out some of those rooms and used them as rehearsal space because those rooms did have heat. <laughs> and and um, it was just really a really cool space. And it accommodated a lot of people parking. Um, and we had a lot of people involved with La Pastorella. I mean, we had a huge ensemble, the full cast. I want to say like, you know, 20 to 30 actors, you know, two bands, um, children's choir, you know, plus all the crew. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was such great, great energy. We were really excited about the project and then the, the possibility of having a Mexican-American cultural center. Never in my wildest dreams could I imagine that it would be as, you know, pretty as it is today. I mean, it's such a nice building. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I watched the Migrant opening DVD, and so a lot of the speakers, they referred to the MAC as promoting music and art, celebrating diversity and integration, bringing progress and prosperity to the community, preserving and sharing Mexican heritage for the future generations, and then the MAC itself involved a lot of people over time coming together with the same idea. Do you think these statements are in line with the original concept for the MAC? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I would say that that was our vision, that it would be a space for artists of all, you know, um, genres to collaborate, to, you know, have, you know, space to collaborate, to perform, um, to rehearse. You know, it hasn't completely lived up to our, um, vision, but, uh, How so? How well, I think what I remember is, I think some of the groups, some of the arts groups envisioned that they would have like office space. So it'd be kind of like a, um, nonprofit arts, uh, collective or something like that, you know? And maybe at that point, I mean, they did kind of put it in our hands 
as nonprofits and artists, but then the city kind of took it over at some point um, when the community just seemed to not be able to agree or implement, you know, the vision. But um, back then, I remember a lot of talk about, you know, artists and nonprofit organizations feeling like they would have an actual office space or some kind of space there, you know, um, where they could store their files or have a computer or, you know, store their props or, yeah, yeah, like a home base and, um, you know, theater space and performance space and galleries and education classrooms and all that but um what it is it's you know it's basically it's a city building with you know rental space and sometimes it's you know cost prohibitive for some artists and I, I there aren't you know too many there aren't enough, you know, offices or classrooms right now to house artists. The, so, but but it's still a really great space, and I think it's being used more and more. And hopefully, you know, they'll make it more affordable. I know that the Friends of the Mac, it's kind of continued as this nonprofit that you know, raises money to help subsidize, um, you know, rental rates for artists and arts organizations, kind of like a scholarship fund, and I'm involved with that also, but, um, yeah, I, I think when we were a few years back, there was a meeting, because, you know, there was some concern from artists and arts organization that it wasn't as affordable as we thought. Yeah. You know, we worked so hard for this, and then it's some artists can't afford it. to use it, yeah. the space. Well, when you mentioned about the community uh, and the, the city taking over, is that when the Parks and Recreation Department kind of took over, when they had the whole board members and staff members being questioned? And like that. Yeah, there was um, there was this non, there was like a nonprofit board. I think it was was it CMACA. There was this group, and um, I can't remember how they got selected or what to be on there. Um, it was like a nonprofit board. And, you know, they were making decisions or being seen as, you know, the leaders, but then some community members, you know, were challenging the board. And, you know, there was, I guess, a lot of bureaucracy and it was just taking a long time. And, you know, um, we didn't feel like there was maybe accountability of, you know, funds being spent and so there was kind of some distrust created and I had kind of 
stepped out for a while because then I went to grad school. Mm-hmm. So I was really involved, you know, between 97 and 2000. Um, but like in mid-2000, I, I pretty much stepped out from 2000 to 2002 when I was in grad school. And I think it was during that time or right before that time that a lot of this stuff started to happen. I'm not clear on all, you know, the dates, but I knew Raul Alvarez was elected to the city council in, I don't know, was that 2000? I remember, you know, block walking for him. Might've been 2000. 99, 2000. Um, and so there was just, you know, this aura of distrust and it could have just been because it was taking time and it, maybe it wasn't very transparent. And um, so I remember just going to one of their meetings and uh, giving my public comment and just expressing my disappointment. Like as a young person who had you know, worked really hard um, with everybody else to get this done and looking up to my mentors and leaders in the community and basically I was being disappointed by their actions and, um, you know, kind of the foot dragging and the bureaucracy and I don't really know and I probably couldn't understand, you know, at a young age, yeah, everything, that was going everything that was going on. I just know there was lots of discon- discontent and distrust and um, disappointment and questioning. So I'd be really interested to hear um, what some of the other members, you know, the other community members have to say. But I kind of, at that point, I started to get involved with, you know, other projects, namely grad school. Yeah. You know. So, <laughs> yeah, I kind of checked out for a while, uh, a couple of years for, you know, 2000 to 2002. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask if you were still involved with the MAC and you said you were all with the friends of the MAC. Yeah, um, I, I'm involved with this group, it's a nonprofit um, called Friends of the Mac, and we have an annual fundraiser called um, Dia de la Raza, where we raise money, and it's basically just like a fund, you know, like a scholarship fund to help subsidize artists and organizations who want to, you know, rent space at the Mexican American Cultural Center. Yeah, it's like a it's like a just a community event where we give um, awards okay. to community members and people that have yeah been active and generous with the, within the Latino community or with the Latino community, and we raise money, and um, I think the friends of the Mac also might have contributed some funding or some 
something to this Mac oral history project as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it's just a, a, a group of grassroots, you know, citizens. Getting things done. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just getting things done. Nobody gets paid or anything. We just raise a little money. It's not, you know, big money, but it's enough yeah. to help. So, yeah, I still I still um, get involved. And obviously, I'm, I mean, I go there frequently for events. Mm -hmm. cool. um, that's all my questions I had for you. Is there anything you wanted to add or comment about that you feel should be? Uh, I just feel really honored to have been a part of, you know, the, that project to make the Mac a reality. I mean, I was, I was so young. I was right out of college. Yeah, I didn't, I just moved to Austin. I didn't know what I was doing, um, but it was significant, and I think that's what it it took. I mean, the the Mac is a significant part of our city, of our you know Mexican American community, and I'm just you know was just one of probably thousands of people that were involved over the past 40 years um, of, you know, when the beginning, you know, that seed was planted. And um, I came in at the end. I met a lot of, I mean, it really has ch uh, shaped who I am, that experience and the people I met early on involved with La Pastorela and, and the, the MAC, the creation of the MAC. I mean, it really has shaped who I am and my, my experience here in Austin. I mean, like I said, I just moved here and that was my first, you know, set of friends, my first political experience. Um, my first time getting involved with a, you know, political campaign of any sort. And, um, and I'm still very, very close to the people that I met, mm -hmm. um, through that experience. And the Mac means a lot to me. Like I feel very much a part of it. And, um, like one of the I don't know, one of the, just part of the community that helped bring it about, and very lucky that I, w I got to be part of that process, and it's a wonderful space. Is it, you know, perfect and everything we dreamed it could be? No, but it's still a really great place. Um, that we can call our own, that we, you know, it's really awesome to go there for um, the SCSAs de Septiembre, the um, Mexican independence. Okay. And um, just see all the community that comes out to celebrate 
Mexican independence from Spain and um, in Austin, Texas. <laughs> and, um, yeah. you know, and there's music and there's food and um, just lots of family, lots of families there enjoying themselves, enjoying their little Zocalo, our little, you know, plaza there. And um, the great architecture and, you know, being so close to the lake. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, I just feel very proud when I go there during these events where there's lots of community members that are using it and enjoying it, like the festivals lately. I think the last big event I might have been there for was for South by Southwest. There was some uh, Pan American Festival, or you know, they brought in some you know, different Latino artists, mus musicians, and lots of people from the community turned out and it's so great because that really is what we envision just sitting in those meetings like we really wanted it to be a space where people from the neighborhood across the highway would come yeah. and hang out and celebrate our culture and really when I go to events there I really feel that that vision has materialized When you so is it all the way built yet? Because I remember like I haven't gone yet, but I remember they were saying that it's they still phase two. Yeah, I think they just completed phase two, and there's still like more phases, but it's just a matter of funding, and right now it's not a good time yeah. um, to be requesting funding. Uh, so I mean, it's just tough city budgets but yeah there's you know there's we have that big auditorium that's kind of used as a theater but it really is not a good theater because it's doesn't have good uh, acoustics and the sound doesn't carry it's really hard to hear so we have some smaller theaters but they just don't accommodate like the number of that big performance space but I go to a lot of functions there are lots of you know dinners and receptions and um, you know, awards, mm -hmm. events, and for that kind of stuff, it's it's a really great space. Um, and then there's a couple of smaller theaters. I just performed. I did a staged reading with some other folks there in January, I think, or February, maybe. Okay. And it was a small little theater, and it was packed. I mean packed to the gills, standing room only. Um, and, um, but the outdoor space is great, the kind of the plaza area for, for live music. And, but yeah, there's a still a grassy area that, um, you know, I think would be where that third phase would come. Okay. Yeah. I haven't really kept up with the details of, of that. I do wish that they would, um, you know, hire more staff. It seems like that staff there works really hard and like at nights and on the, e you know, weekends because there's always 
something going something on. Going on. Okay. But um, but yeah, it's it's a really it's a really great space. I think it's I think it's going to grow. Well, thank you for the interview. That's all I got. <laughs> thank you. Appreciate it. Okay. This is the end of the interview.